Just like you, I've always been curious about successful people. In season two, we'll delve further to explore passion, purpose, and peace with today's heroes. Join me as we chat with inspiring and accomplished women and men who will share their journeys and life hacks to pass the power on to you. Thank you listeners for joining another episode of Pass the Power with me, Paige Parker. Today, we will chat with a woman who is adored on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, yet sometimes vilified for her massive collection of Hermes bags and lavish lifestyle. Jamie Chua is here, and listeners, I know her. That princess character she exudes on social media is really a hardworking woman who understands her content creation is her life's bread and butter. She's Singapore's version of Kim Kardashian where she's created an image on social media that people crave as she basically tells the haters to go ahead and hate on while making deals with brands, pruning her roses, and tending to her chickies. Welcome, Jamie. (laughs) Thank you, Paige, for inviting me onto this How do you feel about that intro? Wow. I mean, I was smiling (laughs) when I hear all that you say about me, but thank you very much for painting me in such a beautiful light. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to start with the elephant in the room because I think everybody is kind of consumed with all of your Hermes bags. And what's up with that Hermes bag obsession you have? When did it begin? And how many do you own? Well, many people have asked me how many do I own? And honestly, my answer will always be I haven't actually counted them. You must have an inventory. Yeah, I think many people have the obsession with the Hermes Birkins and Kelly's was because it was considered as a stealth wealth symbol and still is considered as one. And because of the long waiting list and the difficulties in trying to snag one makes it all the more desirable, don't you think The exclusivity makes it... Yeah, the exclusivity. Yeah. uh, Yeah, being really hard to get, but they also make it very hard for someone to get one. So I guess with all these factors, it kind of like make people want it more, just like what you want, whatever you can't get, and that's just being human. So do you remember how old you were when you bought your first? I think I was about 31. Yep. I went out in search for an Hermes Birkin because everybody was raving about it. And when I got my first Hermes Birkin, I felt that it really was a good quality handbag. And besides being good quality, it is also very user-friendly. And I like it because it suits my lifestyle and the way I use handbags. Well, it's just all about personal preference. I like my things to be very organized in a handbag. So the structured shape actually works very well for me. And I like the Kelly because it is a classic. And of course, when it comes to MS Birkins and Kelly, it's also about the investment value if you pick the right one. The return on investment, the ROI on a great Birkin bag, it's pretty strong, right? Yes, it is. Do you buy I, direct? I, I can vouch for that. <laughs> but, do you, but do you sell yours? You don't sell. Well, during my divorce, I actually did sell many Birkins back to feed my children. <laughs> 
Yes, they keep the value very well. And it's probably could be one of the best investments that I've made on some of them. Um, and do you buy direct at auction? Yes, I do. I don't buy at auctions because of the auction fees. Also, you have no way of knowing. They say it's real. But if it turns yeah, out it's not real, exactly. the, the auction house is not liable. That makes me nervous. Oh, yeah. But what very. about secondhand sellers? Well, that makes me a little bit nervous as well. Some of them whom I know to be very credible are okay, but most of them I wouldn't exactly trust. But at the same time, you got to be one that know how to look out for a fake as well. So there are certain things to look out for, which, you know, I'm not going to share during this podcast because <laughs> then you can't see me. You have to go on it. Jamie's yeah, social go on media. go on my YouTube too. or something <laughs> if I ever do a piece on spotting a fake MS yeah. bag. That's her next video, people. <laughs> Is there a dream bag that you don't own? Yes, of course. I am actually dreaming of the Fabu Mini Birkin the one with the little windows. I really hope to get it sometime. Wow. Yes. I, I don't even know what that is. Oh, it has little windows. It's oh, like it's... the windows of the, the store in Paris. What advice do you have for a listener out there who kind of dreams of collecting these bags? I think it's important to spot the right colors if you are buying it as an investment. But if you are buying it for, like, for your own use, it all depends on what kind of lifestyle you lead. Maybe what you need is a classic black Birkin because you work. And um, yeah, I think that you cannot go wrong with the basic colors like black, white and gold. And if you are looking for um, investment value back, Pick one that is very limited and one that they probably will stop producing. Like the Mini Kelly. I have a small black croc Mini Kelly. Oh, which that don't one make is one of the best yeah, investment yeah. pieces. Yeah. I had an Instagram follower ask and they wonder where you keep your non-Hermes bags because it seems in all the videos and all the content, we see the Hermes bags. And I'm sure you have Dior and Chanel and other bags. Is there a separate closet for those babies? I have a separate closet for Chanel's. Uh, of course and, you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of my non-Hermes bags, I do keep it amongst the Hermes bag. I don't know if they spot it, but I don't have many non-Hermes bags, to be honest. I don't really like to put my money in something that is fashion, like uh, seasonal, and it's just like a passing fashion phase. I find that it is actually a waste of money. But having said that, you know, I do spend a lot of money buying useless clothing as well, <laughs> which could be like a fashion thing. Just that for me, with handbags, I tend to want them to be classic and last a long time. So enough about bags. So Jamie, can you tell us who inspires you? Wild animals inspire me a lot. And my chickens inspire me every day because just looking at how they live and the kind of fun they're having is just so pure and simple. And it's just inspirational that way. Different people have inspired me in different ways. Like for example, I'm very much inspired by Sarah Jessica Parker fashion-wise, and uh, I'm very much inspired by Audrey Hepburn for her philanthropy. She's doing the new Sex of the City. Ah, yes. Yeah. I really admire her for that. She's like, I'm her forever fangirl. 
How would you define yourself? I would say that I am a very hardworking person who never give up. And amongst all the good qualities that I have, <laughs> I think my best quality would be that I am fearless as well. That will carry you far. Before we proceed, let's take a quick break. You have 513 followers on YouTube, 1.2 million on Instagram, 253,000 on TikTok, a growing presence on Billy Billy. How much time do you spend on social media? I used to spend a lot of time on social media, actually, and so much so that my children have had to force off days on me. I remember the days when I would film for 12 hours, you know, trying to create a TikTok, which I have hence given up on. If you guys have looked at my TikTok, I haven't really updated it. I think I'm much happier not doing TikTok. So having spent a lot of time on social media and I feel that it is not very healthy. So these days, I'm kind of used to taking off days and um, yeah, I really like it. Some days I try not to be so hard on myself because eventually, like who am I? trying to please, I should concentrate more on my own happiness and trying to please myself and the people around me. Being too obsessed with social media makes everybody around you unhappy. Yeah, I think it is a big problem. But yeah, these days I'm much happier. I, of course, I do create my content, but I am not too hard on myself anymore. And I wonder, because you do quite a bit of collaborations with brands, mm -hmm. do you approach them, they approach you, everybody out there listening wants to know how to monetize? <laughs> well, if you have your own unique selling point, of course, advertisers would approach you. I don't usually approach advertisers. Most of the time, they approach me. And of course, you build relationship with people and friends by word of mouth through friends. And yes, that's how people get to know about you. And of course, you've got to be very professional and I always stress on being very professional when it comes to work. And that would be a reason why advertisers would use me because I am very professional. How did you get your Instagram name? Well, it was just some silly name that I came up when I first started Instagram. I don't even know what is Instagram. So what I did was to create an account to follow my daughter. And I re remembered I had my niece with me and she was helping me start the account. And we were just thinking, what name should you have? What should be your Instagram handle? And you know me, I'm just like, it doesn't matter, just whatever, okay? Maybe just use my car number. So during those days, I had a car with a car number EC13M. And then we just went with that. Subsequently, I was told by a numerologist that the number 13 does not suit me and I should change it to 24. And 24 is also my birthday. So that's how it came about. I love it. I wanted to change it many times, but 
it would be hard because people already know me for like so many years as that. What's interesting, you said you started Instagram so that you could follow your daughter. I started Instagram because my kids were getting on it and I wanted to be there before them. So it would already be my thing. So Whoa. it's interesting that our, that our yeah. children played into it. <laughs> so do you have a favorite YouTube video of yours? I do actually have several favorite YouTube videos of me and most of them being travel vlogs. Of course, I miss traveling a lot and uh, I'm glad I did many travel vlogs prior to the pandemic and that some nights it just kept me going. Yeah, we all look back on those memories so fondly. I think whenever we put ourselves into the public spotlight, people judge us even when they don't know us. So what do you think is the number one misconception about you? Well, people judge us because we're on social media. And I think one of the number one misconception about me is that whatever I enjoyed today is from my ex-husband, Fortune, during our divorce. Without knowing the actual truth, which is that I played a significant role in the success that we both accomplished with our business. People also don't realize the trials and tribulations that we went through during the early years of our marriage. And even after our divorce, I continued to work hard to maintain the lifestyle that I enjoy today. Let's talk about that. You were married to Nerdy and Kwaka. You met him on a flight. You were an SQ flight attendant at the time. And I think what most people don't know is that he wasn't wealthy yet. And you married him and his fortune came probably a decade later. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, if I may correct the question, mm-hmm. we did not meet on a flight when okay. I was an SIA girl. We met through a friend of his. I did not like snack my passenger. <laughs> if that's what you guys think. Oh my gosh, I love yeah. the idea of, of meeting him on the plane. But oh my, it was no, no. I mean, of course, everybody thinks that that is like a fairy tale, right? <laughs> you, you were an SQ girl and you meet someone on a plane and then you get married live happily and live ever happily after. after. <laughs> But that does not happen in real life, I think. And he made his fortune. And then you guys had that very public, difficult, messy divorce. But now you and your ex-husband are, you know, on amicable terms. Well, I wouldn't call us amicable. We are not acrimonious as well. I think I would say that we are strangers. But the two children mean that you are civil and... Yes. Yes. We are civilized people. (laughs) We may be strangers, but we are civilized. And of course, the children and him and the children and me are very close as well. Well, how did you deal with all that bad press and publicity and negativity? I think it came as a kind of a surprise to me that one day my face was splattered off of the newspaper and I don't even know what happened. Because I was seeing a lawyer, of course, in private. And sometimes it feels that some, somewhere, somehow, someone had leaked it out to the press. And suddenly I was like a divorce famous. And that was not a very nice thing. Because when you are going through a divorce, it's uh, very hard to deal with your emotions as well as deal with the press at the same time. So I really did not appreciate that. But did it fuel a passion in you to prove people wrong? I don't take it as like it has fueled my passion to prove anyone wrong because eventually what happened between us is between us. I don't need to prove to anyone about like why or, you know, we had a divorce. I mean, what is there to prove? 
if people are interested in it, they will say a lot of things about it. But eventually, these are things that I don't even share with people and I don't share them on social media, obviously. Well, personally, I mean, how did you handle the criticism? Um, I had an Instagram follower when Mm -hmm. I told them you were coming on and I said, what would you like to ask Jamie? And the person said, how do you deal with the haters? But I mean, when you have that kind of criticism, I just think it would be really tough. I mean, I have very few followers and when people are mean to me, it hurts. And you have so many more. And I mean, people who don't know you talk about you and you just kind of shrug it off. Doesn't matter. When people who don't know me talk about me, I feel that I'm really successful that that way. (laughs) And that I always believe that your haters are your biggest fans. It is true because if they are not your biggest fan, why would they be so like obsessed with you to consistently talk about you? So if you look at it in a positive light, I think I got something there that people want to look at. And that if you hate me or love me, I'm going to stay. So you have to deal with that. I also think people don't understand how hard you work. And I hate when people ask me about my typical day. None of us have a typical day, right? But can you tell us about your days, which consist of creating massive content across multiple channels? And then, of course, we all know from your social media, you've got the sweet garden and your little chicks and your family. And you have a whole separate Instagram account for your entertaining, the more private entertaining. Mm -hmm. So what does your day look like? My day is very simple, actually. It's no different from anyone's day. So I wake up not feeling great about myself, like I think most of us do not wake up feeling great. So I'll take some time, spend some time with myself, have my morning coffee, do a little bit of gardening, look at my veggies growing and look at my little farm. I think that is very therapeutic for me. I mean, different people have different ways of dealing with their lives and this is just how I deal with mine. And it really does make a big difference to my day whenever I do that. Like when I see my chicken laying an egg, that made me very happy. So it's actually a very, the very simple things in life that would make a difference. It's not like a new bag or a new outfit. I mean, I buy a new outfit like almost every week and it didn't make me as happy as when I see my chickens lay an egg. So what does that tell me, you know? After I feel better about myself already, you know, spending some time with nature and spending some time in my little farm and then I would get to getting ready to create some content and if I have some work to fulfill that day and I would shoot pictures or video and then my team would come and then we will start work. How long does it take you to get ready to do your face and your hair? And Oh my God, Are you quick? that's a very scary question, <laughs> which, you know, I don't really like answering. It does take me a long time to, to get ready. Like, for example, it takes me a long time because I need a long time from the time I wake up to composing myself to feeling great about myself. So that takes a while. And then... Of course, I like to have my lunch leisurely. I'm just all about self-care and whatever that does not stress me. So I like to take my time in doing things, even take my time in preparing myself. I feel that I should enjoy the process of putting on my skincare to putting on my foundation and making myself look pretty. So yeah, I think I take maybe about three hours from the time I wake up or more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. 
and I'm constantly rushing because I'm trying to get too many things done. So I should probably take a, a yeah, lesson from don't, you. Don't, <laughs> don't rush because I used to be like that and it didn't give me the good vibes. And I think it's very important to start your day right, even if it means taking more time, just wake up earlier. This was also from an Instagram follower. Are there boundaries between being a luxury client and an influencer? Oh, yes. I think the boundaries come from the brands itself. They are kind of close-minded about, you know, their existing client being an influencer. But then, I mean, you guys know how old I am. How could I, like, spend the early part of my life when I was not an influencer and not shopping with not being a client of a certain brand? I think I have bought a lot of things from almost every brand during my lifetime. So that is quite a conflict, which kind of make me feel like I don't want to spend money with brands anymore. I feel that way. So I only pick uh, certain brands that are like my top favorite who give me very good service. And yeah, I'm happy being a client. And of course, being a client, you get treated so much better. Listeners, you can't see her today, but she's in head-to-toe uh, Louis Vuitton and looking yeah. amazing. Yeah, thank you. So You're a big yeah. fan of the brand, I know. I am a big fan of Louis Vuitton and um, Dior. And the thing is that I do like to buy things. So I think that brands should really think about how they should manage that. But I do also understand that not many of their clients are influencers as well. And being an influencer, they actually don't buy. So how do we strike a balance on that? I like to buy, but I like to do what I do as well. For the listeners who dream of being an influencer, just don't buy. <laughs> Never ever put not, your name there. But if they're not an influencer, they have to buy. Yeah, buy. But if they want to be an influencer, what's the number one piece of advice? I would advise them to build their content and followers organically. Always stick to developing content that they have a passion for. Like if you enjoy cooking, develop a cooking channel. Nothing should be coerced or forced because that will show in your feed. Never betray the trust placed in them by their followers and always be guided by honesty and a clear conscience. Good counsel. But I hear you say that, but there's something about your X factor that draws people because there are plenty of people that have that kind of content, but they don't have 1.2 million on Insta. I do have a unique selling point. I'm still trying to pinpoint what it is. Maybe it is because uh, I have a huge bag collection. I can't deny that and like this handbag wall. Although I wish that people would follow me because of what I am and not what I own. So I try to, you know, create a lot of content that are not handbag driven as well. And hopefully that they would see the other facets of me. Are there habits or resources you can recommend for our listeners so that they kind of can reap some of the rewards you have in life? You said mindfulness in the morning. Yes, mindfulness and uh, always feel good about yourself before you start creating something. And if creating something does not make you feel good, stop creating that. Like you did with TikTok. Yeah, I had never been as unhappy as I was when I started TikTok, honestly. But you know, we were locked down. And that seems to be like something that is kind of fun to do until you start doing it all the time and it becomes like 
really mentally straining and not fun at all anymore. But it was it not fun because you don't like to dance? It wasn't oh. fun because you didn't like following trends? Well, well, it could be. I am a person who does not like to follow trends. I don't dance. If you can see from my TikTok that I don't do <laughs> dance videos, I could... I have two left feet and I would not think of dancing for TikTok for like all the husband. money in the world. I, would, I will not dance. <laughs> I really won't. So it's hard because I didn't want to just mimic videos right off like TikTok, the other people who are on TikTok. So I try to make a little bit more of a, like a videos that are funny and all that. And that really took a toll on me. And I realized that it wasn't worth it at all. Mm. And my God, I really hate to change like 12 times. You have no idea. For any listener out there who's not on TikTok, some of the videos that people do, there's like a snap and in between every single snap, like if you have a clap like this, you would need like a new outfit for each clap or each snap. And so it can be a bit of a struggle. That is really ridiculous. But you still have 250-some thousand followers. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that I am going to do a triple somersault for them anymore. <laughs> it was hard. And I've read reports of many people actually struggling with mental health because of TikTok. And yeah. that is just very, very sad. I wouldn't say that I will not create any more new TikToks, but... Well, I'm just waiting for the inspiration to arise and maybe I'll do some later on, but not today. Yeah, no TikToks <laughs> are coming from this podcast, people. Pass the Power will be right back after the break. I read you grew up in a modest home and you began modeling at age 15 to make pocket money. I wonder as a child, what were your struggles? Was it a typical happy childhood? And how did your childhood shape how you handle money today? Well, I think that it is very important to be wise with money. And my struggling childhood actually taught me a lot about not just frivolously spending all the money that I have, which is why I still work today. I always tell people that I feel perpetually broke because it is just a feeling that I had since I was a child and I haven't been able to pull myself away from that feeling, which is even at the richest point of my life, I still feel broke and I often feel very insecure. You know, sometimes I wake up and I just feel this impending sense of doom. It's just very hard to explain that sort of feeling, but it's just, I think that kind of feeling could be good or it could go the other way. It's good because that means that I'm not going to be frivolously, you know, squandering my wealth away, but it's bad because sometimes you need to feel really good about yourself to have a good life, right? But yeah, I think that is a very big problem that I have. And it all stems from my childhood, the feeling of insecurity and things like that. But being a child who had very low self-confidence and low self-esteem because I was consistently being 
put down by the people around me. I wouldn't say who, but you know, I was never good enough. I was never pretty enough. I was never smart enough for the people around me. And that is very traumatic for a child. I remember that as a child, I couldn't even speak properly. I used to stammer a lot. Even as like a teenager, I was still kind of like stammering. So I think that is something that I really tried hard to overcome. And I'm glad that today I am neither low self-confidence or low self-esteem. I think that being able to stand up for myself in the later part of my life really served to reaffirm me as a person and to take back the power that I think I owe to myself. And I imagine, I know you have a daughter, Callista, and a son, Cleveland, and they have grown up quite privileged. But I imagine the way you grew up and the way you were talking about how it has shaped how you are now, that has really played in how you've reared your children. Yeah, I remember as a young girl, I had to work as a model uh, every day after school. I would have a school bag full of uh, makeup inside and a change of clothes, which I would go for auditions and I would go to tea shows every day after school. So that really shaped me that I know that I'm not privileged and I need to work hard. But sometimes, no matter how I try to instill those values in my children, I must admit that they may not fully understand how that felt. Because they were uh, because never hungry. They, they were never... would not be in my shoes. Yes. And it's very hard. So I try not to impose my values on them just because I had to suffer as a child. But I'm glad that they don't have to. What's the one thing you want them to always remember? Well, I want them to always remember that they are loved despite that their parents are not together anymore and they would only have one father and one mother. And to always remember how hard we had to struggle to give them the privileged life that they are living now. Focusing on passion, when did you realize that you could really grow and monetize things with content creation? I think uh, it was probably the year 2014 or 15 when I heard people saying that you could actually monetize if you have like many followers on Instagram and you be doing some advertisements for people and all that. And that is how I started as well. I mean, I didn't think that I would be popular, but I thought that that could be fun and I could try so many new products as well. I know you have luminous lifestyle mm -hmm. and why was it important for you to establish yourself as an entrepreneur? Well, it's important because I think that as a, an entrepreneur, I would say that it is very, very important. Let me think about it. And is Luminous Lifestyle, is Luminous, is it an e-tailer? Is it online or it is a physical? It is online. It's online. Yes, it is online. And you sell baby face? Yes, skincare. It's not so much as why I think it's important for me to be an entrepreneur, but I guess it would be the next step that I take and I could impart my knowledge of skincare to people who are inspired by me. And of course, you know that there are many, many skincare brands in the market and some of them being very 
expensive and not everybody could afford to indulge in the high-end skincare. So we create things that actually work for people, but at a fraction of the price. During the lockdown, you really promoted F&B. I wonder, is it important for you to use your voice for good? And will you do more of this? Well, I first decided during last year's COVID lockdown, or circuit breaker as we know locally, that I wanted to see what I could do to support and help the F&B businesses as they were one of the most adversely affected industries during those times and I'm sure even now. While I am able to help everyone, I tried helping those that reached out to me by helping them gain exposure to their business by not only featuring their food on my IG story feed, but collating them in a series of YouTube videos. I think it is so important to support each other, especially in trying and difficult times like this. I hope I was able to help at least a few businesses and it just really made me feel happy when some of them actually feedback to me that I actually helped save their business. Yeah. Yeah. There were several of them I know that you promoted that they had that a lot of through. they had a lot of orders because of your promotion. I also had an Instagram follower ask why you don't do more charitable work. Well, I do charity that uh, I believe in, not that I'm going to do charity and shout it out to everybody. And that's the thing about me. I don't like to do something and try to blast it out on social media like, oh, I'm so charitable. Because personally, I'm kind of disgusted by people who do that. And all the charity that I did are done in silence. I do not need to blast it out. And if you think that being like that means I'm not doing charity, then I think you're very wrong. I'm actually doing charity from the bottom of my heart, and I don't need anyone to affirm that. So I know that you're a believer in living a sustainable lifestyle. We've seen it with your gardening and your little happy backyard farm. Did that passion begin with COVID? And is keeping your garden sustainable important? Well, it began even before COVID, and I'm very glad that I started doing that because suddenly during the pandemic, we were locked down, and uh, I was so glad that I actually have this little space for me to grow vegetables and, of course, you know, trying my best to be sustainable. But as you know that, you know, it's not a big farmland and we don't actually grow enough to feed the family. But it's more of me connecting with my inner child when I did my gardening and my little farm. Why I say that is because during my childhood, I spent a lot of time in the gardens. And if you guys follow me on my gardening Instagram account, you will know that, you know, my friends were actually butterflies and flowers. I don't have many friends as a child because I wasn't allowed to play with other children for some strange reason. And I also kept chickens as a child. Wow, so it really I, is full circle. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to keep chickens for a long, long time. But I had like so many people around me who were like adverse to the idea of me keeping chickens. Finally, I did it and I'm very happy that I did because they really make me happy. And getting in touch with my inner child and when I play with my chickens and I do this whole planting, I have time to, I'm spending time with myself and kind of healing myself from what went wrong as a child. 
Is there a chance that you would venture into urban farming? Yes, I've been thinking of farmland and um, it is quite far-fetched for me because eventually I think I'm a city girl. But you can always be an angel investor. Yeah, that might, might not be a bad idea. I've always loved the farm. But how do you keep your purpose and passion alive with content creation? Because so many people burn out, they quit. Do you have a team that helps inspire you or how do you keep it alive? I think it's to consistently keep things fresh and think out of the box. Of course, I have a team that supports me with videos and uh, content creation. But eventually, I think a lot of it have to come from yourself because eventually I'm the one who have to pull this through, right? It's got to be something that I'm interested in and passionate about. It cannot be something that is like, for example, you can't do a video and asking me to talk about, for example, investments. <laughs> okay. Unless they're bags or yeah, jewelry. Unless they're bags or jewelry. <laughs> yes. You can talk those. Tell us about your NFT. How did this happen? And what do you want people to know about your NFTs? This is a, a space that I'm super excited about. I think that there is so much possibility. And this is the future. And you already have an NFT. Well, the buzzword these days must surely be NFTs or better known as non-fungible tokens, which are fast gaining popularity, especially in the cryptocurrency world. Paige, I know you are passionate about NFTs and for anyone who wants to learn more about them, I would encourage you to go visit Paige's <laughs> personal blog Facebook page. As for my recent NFT series, which I launched in partnership with NF Kings and Rara, this is basically a series of digitalized creations of my world. It was specially created from objects that I have curated in my real world living room, kitchen, garden, bedroom, and wardrobe. Each NFT card depicts an object from my real world that I cherish the most. I hope NFT collectors and fans would appreciate this dollhouse NFT series, which is the first IP creator series with Rara. I'm already working on a second NFT project that will be launched soon, but needs to be kept under wraps for now. How many are there now? One. There's one? Yes. And it's for sale? Yes. Are there people bidding on it? Yes, of course. So what's the next big thing for you? I really feel like you need a Jamie Chua reality show. <laughs> yeah, I hope to have that in time to come, but nothing concrete yet. So fingers crossed. And Maybe. if that doesn't happen, what else are you working on? I've always been thinking about writing a book because many people have approached me to write a book but I find it time-consuming and not the best way to monetize. I mean, I hate to sound like me saying that it's not the best way to monetize, but you know, eventually when you spend time doing something, you want to make sure that it pays you back in some way, right? So um, I'm I still thinking about it. Yeah. As yeah. far as the book, I mean, unless you're J.K. Rawlings, or, yeah, you know, it's exactly. very, very difficult to get rich off being an author. Yeah, and not many people read books these days. I mean, I used to read a lot of books as a kid, but not these days. Don't go yet. Pass the Power will continue after the break. Do you worry about remaining relevant 
in the content creation space, which is packed with such a young demographic? Well, I think worrying about it is not going to help anything. You just have to concentrate on doing what you believe in. And this is not a competition, I feel, that if you do something and it ends up feeling like a competition, then that is not the way forward. So I just am focused about what I do best. I do my best in doing them and not to worry about what it is that is in store for me because eventually I feel that many people struggle to be where I am, you know, and I am where I am. Why would I struggle to do what they do? So I'm doing this. It makes me happy. I will do it. If it doesn't make me happy, maybe I won't do it anymore. What does success mean to you? I think success is never a sprint, but a marathon of hard work, dedication and perseverance. So success to me is to be in a position of power and influence that have been consolidated over many years of hard work and persistence and being able to use that position to help and support others. Philanthropy is only one aspect of this, but more importantly, being able to help your loved ones and those that have stood by me over the years. That's a wonderful answer because most people would talk about on the professional level, but the idea of including others and philanthropy and taking care of those around you and that making you whole as a person, which is ultimate success is a very nice answer. Because I think that many people deem success as a digit, how much money you have, how much material things that you have amassed and how many cars you have. But I think that having had all those things in my life did not make me feel very successful as a person. So that is when I know that I need to focus on success in other ways. Being validated by my followers and them appreciating the kind of content that I created and for my advertisers to tell me that, you know, I have played a big part in the success of their business is to me more successful than how much money I have in my bank account. What's the most memorable lesson you've learned? Maybe what you just said, that it's not a digit. It is not a digit, but what is the most memorable lesson that I've learned as a person? I've learned not to take friendship too seriously because friendship comes and goes and many people around me, at least around me, I know many other kind of people have, you know, the luxury of enjoying true friendship in their lives. But I have not had the privilege of having that. So I used to take that a little bit hard and a very important lesson that I have learned is not to take it too seriously because friendship is to me as good as what serves them or what serves both parties. Yeah, it is only as true as what kind of good you can do for each other, sadly to say. So I learned that well. So you have a small circle. I keep a very small circle. I wouldn't say that everybody around me is not a friend, but I keep a small circle and I pick and choose. So when people say that, oh, I don't have many friends, actually, I have many friends. I just do not want to spend time with too many people who don't understand me. And I want to spend time with people who actually understand me which is very important 
yeah, I do not like to waste my time with frivolous people. When do you feel most empowered? I feel most empowered when I can make a difference to someone's life, either inspiring them to achieve their goals or even as simple as putting a smile on their faces. What's something you failed at or looking back you'd like to change? I always feel like hindsight is twenty twenty, and I would look back, I think. But I mean, the reason we are where we are is because of the mistakes and the wrong paths that ultimately led us exactly where we are now. Yeah, I think these things are very much fated and you just cannot control them. Is there a question you wish I'd asked? Not really. I think you have asked many good questions today. <laughs> is there a trend you'd like to end? Yes, I would like to end the TikTok trend. Oh my <laughs> God, do I really have to say that? No, just kidding. I think trends, they come and go. And whatever works for you, just go ahead with it. I'm not a person that imposes like, my opinions on people, but just personally, I think that... My daughter Hilton said bucket hats. <laughs> Why? I love bucket hats. <laughs> What's your favorite comfort food? Steamed pomfret. Oh. Mm-hmm. That is my comfort food. It sounds healthy. And you said you're not reading anything right now. You're currently watching? Oh, I'm currently... Okay, last night I just completed a Netflix series. It's not an intellectual series, although I do watch some of them. But I'm just going to say it anyway. I just completed watching The World of the Married. And um, boy, oh my God, I got so angry during the... I don't know the show. It's Korean. It's a Korean drama. Yeah. But it's just um, the reason why I don't believe in marriage. (laughs) MBS, Gardens by the Bay, Jewel or Botanic Gardens? Botanic Gardens because it's near my house and I'm there all the time. If you could be a superhero, what power would you have? My superhero used to be Wonder Woman. Yeah. I would like to have the power to erase traumatic memories from people. What is your favorite drink and with whom would you share it? My favorite drink is champagne and I will share it with you, Paige, anytime. (laughs) And maybe we could include Terrence. Oh, he doesn't drink. Oh, that's right. That's right. I was thinking we haven't brought him up. He just drink. Yeah. I feel like he's such a good Instagram boyfriend. Well, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. You know, ever since the pandemic, he hardly even take a picture of me. It's terrible. During our travels, he takes all my pictures and I must say that he is uh, very dedicated to taking good pictures of me. He even took classes to learn how to take professional pictures. Did he ever tell you there was a time where this is private and we're not sharing it? Say you wanted to put something on the story or there was a picture or something and he said, you can't do that because this is private between us. No, I think he believes in my discretion. So he doesn't actually impose like what I can share or what I cannot share. Although he plays a very big part in controlling my emotions when it comes to what I share. When I'm not having a good day. So that's always good to have that kind of counsel. I remember one time you told me that you shouldn't have too much emotional content. Yeah. So you can see that I don't share a lot of things about my life. Many people might think that I am not very private, but actually I am. And there are many aspects of my life that I do not share on social media. And I like to keep it that way. I like to share happy things. I think that angry things or strong personal opinions and views should be kept private. Any parting words to pass the power on to our listeners? 
Always believe in your own ability and success will eventually come through hard work, dedication and perseverance. Perseverance is something that is very important in my household when it comes to, you know, really teaching my children to try, try again. It's a, a poem that we always do, try, try again. And I think perseverance is so important. It's so hard to yeah. instill that in the young people these days. But I've loved having you here, Jamie. I feel like you've shared some wisdom. You've been very authentic and honest. And I hope our listeners will know you a little bit better now. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please write to me on Instagram with your top takeaway from today. Since I'm still new at this, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or click the follow button on Spotify. Share my podcast on your Instagram stories and please tag me at I am Paige Parker. Always know I'm eager to hear from you on guest ideas and questions for upcoming guests. If you're new to the show, be sure to listen to the previous episodes to hear from more thought leaders. Again, thank you for listening and come back next week for another episode of Pass the Power with me, Paige Parker. Together, we got this.